0: the Man, the guy who's living life the right way, by loving and leading his family. World-class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome. Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Walt, and I am your host. And today I have one ask for you. If you are enjoying the show, if you enjoy today's episode, or if you've learned anything at all or take anything away, please do me a huge favor and help me share the show. Whether you tell somebody at work or you text somebody about it or you share it on social media, I cannot thank you enough for your support. So... Today's guest is none other than the Cal Callahan. Cal is a retired trader. He's the host of the Great Unlearned podcast, and he runs Unlearned Ventures, which is an investment fund and incubator for forward-thinking projects. The product of a hard-charging father, Cal was supplied with the tools necessary to perform well in school and even better professionally as a trader. But it wasn't until after facing a life-altering experience at the Route 91 mass shooting in Las Vegas in 2017 that Cal began his mission of unlearning and questioning everything and consciously deciding how he wanted to live the rest of his life. He then left the big city trading lifestyle in Chicago at the age of 41 and moved his family down to Austin, Texas, where they live today. Now, I'll mention this again when I'm talking to Cal, but the thing I appreciate the most about him is the curiosity that he brings to everything that he does. He's always down to truly consider the ideas that challenge his beliefs, which I believe is a prerequisite for growth and a quality that we are sorely missing in the world today. But above it all, he's an incredible man, husband and father, and I am super pumped to share this conversation with you guys. So here's my conversation with the Cal Callahan. And we are live. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall and I am your host. And today we have a guest who is, among many other things, a podcast host himself. He is the host of. The very insightful and enlightening, and honest, and just raw and challenging in a lot of ways. That podcast is the Great Unlearn, and uh, with us today, the one and only Cal Calahan. Uh, Cal, before I let you jump in, I do want to acknowledge you one second. And listening to your podcast, following you a little bit, getting a feel for you know who you are and and how you communicate with your audience. What I've been so I've been so impressed and struck by this genuine curiosity that you seem to bring to everything in your life and that curiosity seems to be rooted equally in both a courage and a strength and also a humility as well and i've been so struck by that in in preparing especially for this interview and diving even deeper because i i I feel like that's such a powerful place to operate from so i want to thank you for leading from the front being a, a great example for the rest of us to follow and for utilizing this platform that you've built to uh to pour into others and provide a space for others to uh, become better versions of themselves. So, with all that being said, thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks for making some time for us today. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Well, thanks. And you said you were going to do a pre-recorded, you know, kind of <laughs> intro, but that was one hell of a, you know, non-recorded intro. I really appreciate <laughs> that, and I uh, thank you for that. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot in there to to cover, and I'm sure we'll get into that today. No doubt. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here today with you and for us to kind of share our, our ideas about being a dad, being a husband, and, and really just being in life and what that means and what we've learned, right? And what we've mm-hmm. kind of, you know, fucked up and things that, you know, we feel like we're on the right path with. So, so thanks for bringing me on today.
0: Absolutely. Like you said, we'll, uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper. But first, I want to take everybody back. I want to give everybody the opportunity to Get a feel for who you are and kind of where you come from. So I'd love for you to kind of walk us through who you were as a child, your childhood, you know, family dynamics, what kind of stuff you were into, and and uh, what childhood was like for a little cow.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, just so everyone knows, I live in Austin now, but I grew up in a small town in Maine, and um, yeah, you know, went from Maine. I went to college in Massachusetts, and then I moved to Chicago right after college. Was there for about twenty years. As a trader on the floor of one of the exchanges, and then we've been in Austin for the last eight years. So by the time this podcast comes out, I will have turned fifty. So that's kind of a chronology of kind of what that looks like, kind of broad lens. But I grew up, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've kind of talked about this a bit recently. Loving parents, but loving in a different way than 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 I love today. Love my children, my dad. Um, was pretty hard on me and my sister and for a long time I I carried some resentment to that because I felt uh, the way I received his love his trying to make me into the best version of myself was being super critical of me feeling like there are a lot of things that I fucked up and you know I wasn't smart enough all the things that kind of come along with, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the tools that he had, which were very, very few, he had a really uh, tough upbringing. Now, the result of that was I decided subconsciously or unconsciously to earn his love by being, being, you know, more intelligent, doing really well in school, being a really good athlete, and not fucking up, um, so, uh, you know, hockey was my sport and, and then something I loved to do. And I played through college and I did really well in school that carried on into, you know, post-college, I became a trader and, you know, by, by most accounts was, was really good and really successful and, you know, kind of have all these gifts that, were given to me largely by my dad in my trying to earn his love, realizing that, you know, on some level, there's nothing to be earned. Uh, But I, you know, again, it was like, it wasn't until I resolved the fact that my dad showing up in that way, created a, a version of me that while unconsciously, I was doing these things and achieving in the measures of success that you know, unfortunately are, are largely, um, uh, encouraged in our culture. It, you know, it, it wasn't until about four years ago that there was a major shift for me, that I had this awakening and I started to understand that this, this success that I had built, um, far greater than anything I could have imagined was not the thing. It wasn't fulfilling. In fact, it was largely empty. And when, you know, for me, when I was in that space and I felt this deep emptiness, I just didn't understand. I was like, wait, I, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I played the game, I won the game and it's not it. So, you know, what, what is it? I kind of went on this quest um, to figure it out really uh, largely without knowing. And I just started to seek out new tools, new people, new ideas about what success meant. So it was reading a lot of books, it was listening to a lot of podcasts, it was getting other people's experience in life that was different than mine. And I started to use those things as a way to explore, you know, why am I here? What does fulfillment look like? What does it mean to be at peace with yourself? What does it mean to not need anything from anybody at any moment? And, um, I would say that I've really been stepping into that. And I think it's something we'll cover. Um, but in the present day, I have such freedom in my life, uh, because I do have this, uh, I guess, self-reliance and lack of, uh, a real void to fill whether it's through material, uh, you know, possessions, whether it's through particular relationships, connections with people that I think can benefit me. I've been through all that. I've, I've lived in that world and it, it doesn't quite get you to that sense of fulfillment. It, it promises you that, but it never delivers. You get close, you feel like you get close, but there's always something else once you kind of attain that thing. So a bit of a snapshot of, of you know, who I was growing up, you know, I worked really hard and, um, I fucked around. I got in trouble. My mom shielded my dad from the shit I was doing. And so along with that, my mom, just a beautiful spirit um, on the underside of all of that is almost like a, a shame for me that this was something that needed to be hidden from my dad and that, Ooh, maybe I am bad. And my mom needs to protect me from my dad's rage, you know? So as I stepped into fatherhood, you know, and again, my kids are 18, 15 and 14. Uh, I haven't always been this way, but, but in the last couple of years, I try to show up in a way to let them know that I can handle anything that they've done. I may not be happy with the decisions, but, um, but I want them to have their own experience and I want them to know that it's all okay. It's all about them trying to figure it out and to try to layer in my own experience and what they're doing. But stay on the outside and create some boundaries for them that are, are much, you know, kind of wider than w- what I was given. And to, you know, to ultimately, I want when the shit really hits the fan, right, Brendan, like when my kids are really in a pickle, and they need some guidance. I don't want them to go to their buddies to try to figure it out and solve a problem that, you know, that, that if they came to me, like, it's all good, nothing's unfixable, and and we'll go about it in a very conscious way, uh, you know, and kind of take the panic out of it. And so a lot of the way I'm trying to show up today for my kids in particular is to just be that rock that can handle anything and not just say that, but, but actually when they come to me in those moments, they may be small moments to know that nothing, you know, that I'm I'm fairly unflappable. Um, And so that's been really a a deep learning process for me. And, and it, uh, it's one of those things, man, we've all heard, your, your, your children are your greatest teachers. And, and for me, it was just a phrase that I kind of understood, but I didn't really understand it until I started to see what they were showing me. And it's been amazing to just let go of, of uh, trying to be the perfect dad and make sure my kids are perfect and not fucking up. It's like, no, they, they need to fuck up. They need to figure things out for themselves because any advice I give them, it's just, they've got to be ready to receive it. They've got to be coming to me for that. And even then, even then they've got to try it out for themselves. Um, so that's a shit ton right there that I just gave you. And then and, that's and my podcast style. I go a little bit, kind of, I just follow wherever the mind goes, but. Um,
0: Absolutely. No, there's a lot to unpack there and we're going to start doing it, but I do want to ask you, what was it that I guess spurred this because you said you were, You had all the success, I guess, I assume that means financially, and you were in a position where you had reached that, you know, material mountaintop, let's just call it that. And then you maybe looked around and said, oh, this isn't the mountaintop I necessarily wanted to be at the top of. Was there, was there like a moment or was there an event or was there something that really led, led you to the epiphany?
1: Brother, there was a moment, there was an event, it was 2017, October 1st. I was in Las Vegas for the Route 91 mass shooting. I was at the concert where Jason Aldean was playing um, when the, the gunmen started firing on the crowd. And, and in that moment, uh, I was there with another friend and, and we were taking cover like everybody else. And, and as it was unfolding, um, I wasn't scared. And, you know, I think largely the crowd wasn't scared in those moments for the, the more I've kind of dug into this, your brain kind of shuts off that fear piece shuts off and you're in survival mode. So you kind of just drop into what your body knows what to do. And for me, it was to just pay attention and to listen to ever, whoever was leading, you know, the group of people we were behind, you know, group of us were behind one of the tour buses that were probably. 50, 78. I don't remember. There was a, there's a group of us there and there were one or two men that were counseling us on what was going on. Stay low, you know, hug as you know, the, the shots are coming from this direction, get as close as you can to the tour bus. If you get hit, you know, the, the bullets are these type, there's an ex-military guy. He goes, you'll be fine as long as you don't get hit in one of your you know, vitals, Mm -hmm. you hit in the arm, you'll be okay, but just know this is what's going on. And so I'm listening to this, I'm, you know, being very coachable in that moment, but but all the while I'm having this idea like, fuck, like uh, if this is how I go out, if this is it for me, like I kind of fucked this life up because I played this game and I won, but it's not it. Like I was reflecting, like, I feel empty. I feel, you know, I've been chasing all these things, particularly in that period of my life. I was leaving on a lot of golf trips with my friends and there's nothing wrong with golf trips, but I was escaping my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was at stage, I mean, at the Route 91 Fest because I was always <laughs> looking for new experiences to have fun but not to connect and that fun was a distraction from me not knowing who the hell I was and I didn't understand that I was again doing anything I could to distract myself I had gotten deeply into physical fitness so I was working out all the time I was in great shape or you know on some levels I was in great shape but but emotionally and spiritually I wasn't and uh that was an outlet for me to step outside of who I was and to build more muscle, to have people praise me for how, you know, I was in great shape for someone in their mid forties. And it was all these things, you know, in the time after that, that event, I started to unpack and see that I was hiding behind all these different facades. Um, And fortunately for me, when I came back to Austin, I, I met, some people that were very much on the same journey of trying to figure out why they were here. And I was able to explore that with them and feel safe. And they just allowed me to explore and loved me no matter what. And they weren't judging and they were curious. And this is where this curiosity really started to open up for me. I would say through most of my life, I was very black and white, Um, you know, as a trader, it helps to be able to make a snap decision. And so I had that ability, but in a lot of other areas of my life where that decisiveness and that self-assuredness did not actually benefit me, whether it was politics or sports or any belief system I had, it was not malleable. There was no gray area. This is how I felt and this is why. And then I would just defend it like a lot of us do. And it started to open up this curiosity and this wonder and what if, and instead of yes or no, introducing maybe into the conversation when I introduced maybe, ooh, started to just receive others' experiences. And then I could go have my own experience and come up with a truth that was true for me in that experience and understand that every one of us has our own experience. Every one of us sees the world through a completely different lens. Even though you and I may seem similar on the outside, we are so different in our own experience. Um, and so it was like that moment really shifted me onto another path into a, a real openness, and um has really you know guided me to where I am today, four years later.
0: So, how did so that um... That experience, I, I, mean, I can't even imagine being in that position, um, you know, hiding behind the tour bus and thinking, "Fuck, I, m- I missed the point." Like I complete, I cannot imagine the imprint that that leaves on your heart and how that changes you. Really, probably, I guess, beginning in an instant, but probably forever, I would imagine. So. To go from there, you start peeling back the layers, you start unlearning. And I think that's shortly after, or maybe relatively shortly, maybe a couple of years later, you start your podcast, Great Unlearn. Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, what that phrase means and what your mission is with your show?
1: Yeah, it's... Um, we're just kind of brought up in this society with the conditioning and the programming and you know, some of it is done with, with people with kind hearts that just don't know any better and don't have the right tools and they're following what they were told. And, you know, it kind of falls down the line that um, we're a bit indoctrinated into who we're supposed to be. We're domesticated, you know, as Don Miguel Ruiz says in The Four Agreements, which is one of my favorite books. And we come into this world as, as, as babies, as children, with a certain sense of, of who we are and all this domestication is layered upon us. Um, And it's, it's our, our job is to start to unlock those agreements we've made along the way. A lot of them just unknowingly. So, okay, this is just the the way it is. This is the way it is. This, you know, it's like any, all different kinds of version of this is just life. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the right thing to do. You should do this. And stepping outside of that. It's like, can, can we really unlearn what we've been, been taught and then come in, have our own experience with fresh eyes, with curiosity, with wonder about how fucking amazing this world is when we look at it through those childlike eyes. And what would it mean if I didn't have to be right? You know, what would it mean if, if, I could just live in the gray area. If my if if my curiosity and inquiry just led to more inquiry and not an actual answer, can we can we step outside of the construct of the education system, which is dependent upon us getting the right answer? There's a right answer, there's a wrong answer. And and those are largely based on someone else's experiences. We don't even know. We're just memorizing shit. And so what if I just, every belief that I ever had, I just let it go and I started fresh. And man, when you go into that space, it's fucking terrifying because for so many of us, we're holding on to that belief system. That's who we are. And without that belief system, who are we? And you kind of go through this dark night of the soul experience where you feel lost. hmm And then, if you stay with it enough and you just trust it enough, you know, you come out on the other side just completely liberated because you're not tied to anything anymore. You're not dogmatic about anything. You're just open to the experience in the moment. And surely, you use past experience as a bit of a guide, but. The unlearning is about unlocking all those agreements and and being okay with what is and accepting things as they are, not how you wish them to be. There's not that resistance to what's actually happening. And it takes a lot of practice and, it, and it's something that I'll be in the practice of, I hope, for the rest of my life. If I'm not in the practice of it, it's not because I figured it all out, it's because I've taken another path that's you know you know don't want to go down and so it's really about being super open and curious um, and being willing to question it all like like all of it yeah it's it's not a
0: yeah I was just gonna say it takes a crazy level of I think strength and humility like I was alluding to at the very beginning of this when I was leading you in to be able to literally just to be willing to literally tear down everything you've I guess agreed to or believed in your past and say, where did this come from? Is this something that I believe? Or is this something that has just been kind of piled on me? And I've been carrying this dead weight with me for forever for no reason. And it's, I mean, that's, it's a scary thing. Like you said, I've tried to practice that a little bit myself. And it's, I mean, it's scary when you really start to think back and you're like, oh my goodness, like, you know, what do I, what do I truly believe? So I want to, I want to frame that experience that thought process, this idea of unlearning and being willing to break something down that you previously believed, and then maybe learn from to improve in the future. If I asked you that question, I guess, through the lens of your marriage, and said, Hey, what's the biggest thing you've had to unlearn from, you know, as as your role as a husband that you've, I guess, improved upon now or have learned something truer um, as you move forward now?
1: dude, so timely. I received a text from my wife today. And she said, you know, I've really been loving, you know, the affection lately and the hugs and all of that. And, you know, Oh, but you know, on Saturday, when you said you would help me, you know, I would help her make dinner for our friends who just had a baby Mm -hmm. we're going to bring the meal to her. She said, I felt like you penciled me in and I know you had a lot going on and you're trying to fix, you know, be everywhere at once. So I appreciated you being there, but I felt like not a priority. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some other things that I'm feeling that, you know, I go towards you and then I feel something else. And I just wanted to share that with you now. Until this exact moment my way to respond to that would say would be to say look on saturday this is kind of what was, was trying to fix it
0: mm-hmm. trying to make
1: it make my case for you know give more clarity and the other thing she was feeling try to give some context for that i've done that i've done it for fucking 20 years you know what it still doesn't work <laughs> and so today i I said, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Tell me more like what, like this gives me something to work with to where you're at, for where I'm at and, and not try to fix a damn thing. And it's, it's what I've come to realize and it's through the help of mentors and, and close friends of mine is, is in my relationship. Oftentimes nothing needs to be fixed just need to be present in the moment and connect and listen and really listen. And then my wife will feel heard. She'll feel seen. She'll feel that connection. And I don't know what's going to happen because I've never done it before. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm in the middle of this experience, but it's like, as men, I think we really want to fix things. Um, and I think largely, and maybe this is just the human condition, we don't share everything that's going on in our mind about why we do things. Mm-hmm. And you know what, we don't have to actually, you know, that's always my, well, this is what was going on. And with this and trying to make excuses, I don't care how softly I do it and how nuanced it is. It's still not listening. It's responding and reacting to what, is an offer to connect and to listen, and not fix. You know, and and you know, one of my you know my true brothers here is like, they just want connection, and you you need to break the pattern. You had this pattern for twenty years. It doesn't work. What if you broke the pattern? If that doesn't work, it's okay. Break it another way. But like. Mm-hmm. You're over, you're yeah. over right now. Yeah. So like fucking, you know, throw a curveball this yeah. time.
0: Oh, for 20 years worth the change up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that that's, you know, for me being in, in that experience right now, and it makes perfect sense. We've heard this, right? Men stop mm-hmm. trying to fix everything. Um, It's our go-to, it's our superpower. What if we let go of that for a moment and started to exercise this other thing that maybe we're not as good at? you know, and listening. And I think fortunately, you know, I got into podcasting and it's made me a much better listener, you know, Mm -hmm. right. Being in the experience as a host, Mm -hmm. you got to really pay attention. You don't want to be the guy that just goes down the line of all the (laughs) questions you want to ask. Right. No one likes that. (laughs) And so being in the moment, being present like that for the last two years, I've really been able to work that muscle. Um, so what would it mean if I, if I brought that to my relationship?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that theme's come up a time or two now in the show. It's just, our tendency has been to say like, first instinct is like not empathy, not hear what's actually being said or what's, what's causing whatever's being said to be said, but let's just go fix it. This is why we're going to justify, we're going to just solve the problem, stop it, and move on. And it's funny, like you said, like we've all heard. That advice don't try to fix things but it's almost it's almost ironic that we don't even listen to the cliche advice where we just don't like it's hard to do it
1: we don't you know you know what i think part of the reason is 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 you know you get a text like i got and it's sweet 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 and then it and then it hits an old wound some mm-hmm. part of you that is just like not quite healed to you know for me i go into that hurt space and I wanna make it feel better. And what I was able to do in this moment, I still felt hurt, I still Mm -hmm. felt that old wound, but I didn't believe it anymore. Or in this moment, I didn't believe that I had fucked up again. Like I still can't get it right, Mm -hmm. fuck. And that's kind of where my mind goes, like, man, you've been doing all this work, You did all these things. Great. And then it's like this one thing, or maybe I project upon her. Mm -hmm. Look, I did, I'm I'm doing the best I can. Like, look at all the improvement I've made. And you still, you know, you pick on this one thing. That's not what was happening at all. She was giving me a lot of love and she was showing a lot of courage to say, look, this is how I'm feeling. And she was being super vulnerable there. This wasn't a, a, you know, uh, her trying to shame me or put me in a place of, of being defensive. That was my own shit. Mm -hmm. And so I can choose to believe that old shit, or I can witness it when it comes up and say, that's not true. That's not true in this case. Okay. What's a different way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think you know, it makes sense why these things happen for us, and I think it happens on both sides. And I know my, you know, I've spoken to my wife about it. There are things where she feels that shame, um, but it, it's it's just pausing, taking a breath. So what is What's the story that I'm believing right now, and how is that going to help me in this interaction, in this 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 opportunity to connect with my wife? Because I believe that I'm a piece of shit and I can't get it right, or that she's nagging me, or we're going to go down that same road again. But mm-hmm. if I can just have gratitude for her showing up that way and for this being information for me and her reflecting like what her experience is right now, uh, then I can actually start to shift some
0: things and learn. Yeah. That's been a big point for me in my marriage is, is not reacting, not going to play defense right away, but more so just being grateful that she's got the courage and the willingness to bring something up that she's feeling before it's a problem, right? Like if she's willing to bring something to me and say, Hey, this is on my mind. This is on my heart. Can we talk about this? How I react or don't react there is very important because I want to encourage that more and more and more rather than it being suppressed and something that explodes years down the line. And that's something that I've been trying to do a better job of. No, I don't think anyone's perfect. I'm far from it, but that's you, you. I think you hit the nail right on the head with that point. And it's, I think it's a mistake that I see that I make a lot and I've seen a lot of guys make as well.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think with your wife and my wife, and I think largely women, or I should say the feminine of the relationship, you know, because sometimes it's the man is the more feminine, the, the, the woman more masculine, but the feminine has the intuitive hit. That something's off, not right. And they, mm-hmm. they're craving that connect, the connection's not there. Mm-hmm. A lot of us on the masculine side can just grind through the, you know, the lack of connection. It's like, Oh, it's just where we're at. And I'm doing this and we, we, we lose that. And so when they come to us, all they're saying is there's a lack of connection here and I'm wanting to connect with you. And so I'm going to step out, I don't know exactly what it is and maybe they do have some ideas, but they're not saying let's solve this, but like, let's just be aware of this. Let's bring this to the masculine that's unconscious to it. Maybe Mm -hmm. let's bring it to the, to our awareness and then let's, let's play with it. But I think, um, generally they just operate differently than, than, you know, the masculine and the feminine operate differently. And so sometimes we don't see it that way, but it's, it's can be a real gift if we see that as a compliment to how we, you know, see the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And you hit on something before you hit on, I think you said the word shame. You mentioned that for maybe a way that you used to act, or maybe you're uncovering some, a a belief that you need to change or a reaction that you need to change. Right. Like I know in my life, the things that I have worked on unlearning and your podcast and, and the phrase unlearn has been very, helpful for me to kind of frame what I've experienced. And like, for me, like to unlearn something, you have to, in some capacity, acknowledge that you are either ignorant or, you know, misinformed, or you were just straight up wrong, like something you were, you were wrong in some regard. Like you've seen something else. Like there's, for me, it's been a contrast. Like I didn't know what was wrong or that I was doing something wrong, quote unquote, wrong until I saw what was right So that's what I really believe. And like, for me, probably similar to you, it was a lot of, you know, seeking uh personal um, what's the right word? Just, I don't know, just, just seeking external validation, seeking the, the, worthiness of being loved, all of this, seeking this and like what I was going to accomplish as if it wasn't already in me or something I had to go get. And then, you know, when COVID happened and then, Hey, you're just, you're sitting at home, you're not going anywhere. You're going to sit, you're going to sit in it and you're going to learn the damn lesson. Here we go. And I realized I was like, Oh, that's not true. All my family really needs for me right now is to love them and to be there present for them. Like it wasn't anything outside of the home. And that, not that none of that, all that isn't important, that money isn't important, but it wasn't the point. And I didn't realize that until that contrast happened. So what I've tried to work through more recently, and a lot of that has led to be starting this podcast is like that old belief. I think there's like a morning that you kind of go through and shedding that and just letting that go. And realizing like and trying to not feel guilty or shameful or like have regret for how things used to be or how, what I used to believe. So I, I, I tell you all that to kind of phrase the question to ask you if that's something you've had to deal with yourself. And if so, maybe maybe how you've been able to work through that.
1: Yeah, it's like it's, I love that question because and there's a lot there's a lot in it. You know, part of it is as we become conscious of these things, these ways of us doing it, quote unquote, wrong. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say they're wrong because largely by doing it one way, we now we have the experience of that. And then when we see mm-hmm. the other way, start the experience the other way, we have the contrast of this is how I used to do it, this is how I'm doing it now. This feels way better. This feels more aligned. This feels like me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But as we become more Conscious of who we are, and we're not just going through the world like jackasses, you know, very much in the present moment without any regard for anything else. Um, we don't know any better. And in those moments, we're doing the best we can. Those are the tools we have, but as we become conscious, we look back, and the first response is, What an asshole I was, or how could I have done that? Look at that. And there there creates this opportunity for shame. And I've certainly dealt with a, a, a ton of that. And, you know, again, the more work I've done, the more books I've read, the more conversations I've had, it's about always remembering that in every moment, we're all doing the best we can. So that version of me that I don't necessarily uh, think is a great representation of who I want to be. It's still me. And it's me at my best in that moment. And that's okay. Um, but it's like, you know, you go through this period where ignorance is bliss. You fucking have no idea what kind of a dick you were. And uh, it becomes a hard pill to swallow when you start to recognize that. And, you know, I certainly had that reflecting back as I became, you know, kind of more touchy feely and who I was and, and learning about, you know, this whole conscious understanding of life was 18 years as a trader and um it's not that i did anything wrong it's just that image of a trader and it's about money and it's about this and that like i wanted to be elevated from that right Mm -hmm. and it 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 wasn't until i i actually i'm in the middle of writing a book right now and the the guy that's helping me write it we had this kind of deep dive session We started to get in, it was a three-day thing. And by day two, we started talking a little bit about trading. And and I just fucking came to life. And by day three, he's like, the book is about trading and all the lessons you learn. Because when you talk about trading, because I learned so much about life. And it wasn't until that moment, this was in this, this past spring, that I started to love that version of myself, that trader version Mm-hmm. Uh, because I started to appreciate all that I had learned and it wasn't about the money. Sure. That's why I took the job. That's one of the reasons I loved it, but I was learning so much about life in that arena. Uh, so it, it takes, sometimes it takes some different things to heal those old, you know, maybe their wounds or just those old ideas about who you are. Mm-hmm. It was, you know for me that that trading piece was a real hole in my ability to love myself um and i say that i am i'm in a much better place today because of that experience but you know we got to give ourselves a break we got to understand like i said and i can't i can't ex- kind of harp on this enough we're doing the best we can in in all moments and if we're kind of acting like a shithead we're just, we're not in a great place. Um, so, so just send yourself some love and some compassion and some empathy for those younger versions of yourself that mm, maybe don't look that great on paper.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I w I want to ask you, I think it's a question that's kind of in the same vein and it's going to have some overlap, but a question that we get a lot and that, our listeners want to hear asked a lot is the the typical work life balance question, which I think is a lot deeper than it typically gets discussed at, um, because I think there there's a lot that goes into play, and a lot of it is the things that we're talking about. There's there's ego, there's this external validation, there's I think there's an instinct to provide. Um, I think there's there's a lot of that that kind of draws us in that direction to pursue our vocations, pursue our career, pursue whatever maybe it is outside the home, while also balancing this role of showing up and being like a, a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual leader in our marriage and for our kids within our homes. And that's something that I think a lot of guys struggle. And I, I think that goes so much deeper, like I said, than the level that it usually gets to, gets discussed at. Um, so I'd be interested to hear your take. Now that you have gone through this unlearning process and are continuing on it, I guess what is what is your approach to balancing like I know you you guys have have a fund going and you guys have a lot going on you're writing a book, but you also have three kids and a wife. So when you think about how you allocate your time and your mental just resource, how, how do you approach that?
1: Yes, yeah, it's really it's really about kind of tuning in to you know what 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 makes you feel alive and you know, listen, some people have jobs where they spend a lot of hours there, maybe they don't love it. Um, And for those folks, you know, I I send my love to you, because that's a hard place to be. You know, I spent 18 years as a trader. And I would say the last year, year and a half, two years, I felt that. And I had never really felt it in that job. There are periods where it was slow, and I didn't necessarily love Going down there, but that last stretch I was there um, was hard, and I, I was one of the three partners, so it was really hard for me because here I am, I have all these guys that are, you know, technically underneath me, and and relying on me to be one of the leaders, and I didn't want to be there, and I felt like a fraud. And it was really challenging. It wasn't until I understood that I just needed to leave trading that that was an option to just say, I'm good, I'm done, I'm moving on, mm-hmm. that I was able to let go of that feeling of guilt and shame of, of not showing up. Mm-hmm. So the people that are in that situation, it's just like, pay attention to those things that, that are bringing life to you that 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 you want to learn more about and start to bring more of that into your life. And and maybe eventually, hopefully eventually you can shift into those things. And I'm not one to say, quit your job and find your passion. I think that's bullshit. It's like, you got to put food on the table. You know, are there ways in your job that you can shift what you're doing, your responsibilities to make it be more aligned with who you are and what makes you get out of bed in the morning. But I think it's, for me, it's, it's always about tuning into those things. And sure. One could argue that because I don't have a nine to five job that it's it's easier for me. Yeah. But I've also been the guy without a nine to five job that hasn't allocated time to the things that I really wanted to do. I was doing things that I thought I should do because this guy was doing it and chasing things for external validation. I wanted to make more money. I wanted, and I do want to make more money. I mm-hmm. would like to make more money. That's, But I want to do it in a way that's fun for me, not that I'm, I'm, you know, almost putting a judgment on the fact if I don't make more money doing this particular thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's really introducing play into my life that has been probably the, the biggest benefit in that area. But you got to understand it, it, it takes years of discipline and understanding who you are so that you can let go of control. You know, for me, I was deep into fitness for probably eight or nine years, you know, I, I I would say before I got into CrossFit in in 2008, I weighed 170 pounds. I used to run a little bit, but that was pretty lean for me. At one point doing CrossFit and then, you know, kind of stepping into some other physical training, I got up to 205,
0: 210. Man. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it was by having this dedication to it. And no matter what was driving it, which is a whole nother podcast, but just being up, showing up each day into, into that, you know, commitment. Well, now I probably weigh 185, 190. I feel great. I work out once or twice a week. I work out with my buddies. I have fun. So all those years in that space of discipline have allowed me to just really tune into what's fun for me. And I have the skills to be able to do anything i want to do in any time frame because i've done that work mm-hmm. so it's it would be uh you know ignorant for me to say yeah you just be free just kind of do whatever you want that's not true you need to put the work in the discipline the commitment in these other areas so that you can really let go because you actually understand how that all works the benefits the costs, and then you can kind of go forward and tune into your life. And for me, it's really important for me to spend time with those that uh, enrich my life, the conversations, the ones that challenge me, the ones that are on that questioning journey, Mm -hmm. the ones who aren't dogmatic. You know, I have friends in my group that are more sure of themselves. And I just don't choose to spend time with them. If they're in the group, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. But I ain't trying to meet them down at Sun Life Organics, you know, here downtown. The ones I am, that I'm saying, hey, I'm heading down. You know, if you're in the area, come by. Are the ones that just, they're just curious. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some stuff that, that kind of lifts us all up and challenges us. And so I try to just be that way in the world, be curious. And, you know, within that comes the family and trying to be present in a way that works for, you know, me and each of my kids, you know, what, what, what does, you know, my youngest is my daughter, like, what does she need from me right now? Does she need me to be hanging out with her? for three hours straight or does she need for me to have a little check and to let her know that I see her, I love her check in with what's going on, but she's actually in a stage where she wants some privacy right now. Okay. So just like really paying attention to those things. And my oldest is wanting more time with me. So making more time for him and paying attention to when he's reaching out in whatever way he is to, to, to show up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's 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 about paying attention like throw out all of the shit they told you about what it means to be a parent tune into what your kid needs and how you can show up for them because this is their experience you just happen to be along for the ride and you're there as a guide for them sure but this is their experience so be a partner with them in that experience rather than the one who's trying to tell them what's right and what's wrong and overlay your experiences and all the shit that went wrong for you and try to have them avoid that why would you rob them of those experiences that's how you learn let them learn in their own way and it's tough sometimes man your kids go Mm -hmm. through some shit but they need to go through it because they're not always going to be under your roof and then what happens they're not going to have any survival tools so i've really tried in the the last couple years like tune into that what is it? What is it? What do these kids need from me? What is, how can I be of highest service to them? You know, Mm -hmm. really get out of that old, you know, uh, that old father role that, that I think a lot of us were, were brought up in. It's not, I don't believe it. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that that's what my kids need.
0: Yeah. I think that that point about showing up for kids, how they need you. That's something I've, really like my oldest is five and I'm starting to pay more attention to that because there are some times where he wants me to cuddle him and love on him there are some times where he doesn't want me anywhere near him and it's hard I'm already starting to feel that with a five-year-old how hard that is to not I guess love them or express love to them in the way that I want to but listen to what they are saying like uh last week I was getting ready for work and i was kind of hustling running out the door getting dressed and you know ran in to to give him a hug he was playing with some legos and he was like hey dad can you sit and play with me for one minute before you go to work all day and i was like yes i can like my default in the past would have been like sorry buddy i gotta get to work but like if i'm five minutes late to work and I get fired. I'm on tooth and ice anyway. I mean, come (laughs) on, (laughs) like like, come on. Like I gotta give that time to my son. So to me like that, that's really led me to just honestly flipping my defaults upside down. Like it used to just be default work, default, whatever else I had going on default, then getting into my kids and, and my marriage. And it wasn't conscious. It was totally subconscious. But once I realized it was like, boom, unlearn, flip, and then kind of working through like putting that into practice. And last week, when my son asked me that it just shocked me, like it stunned me when he said it. And I was like, this is it. This is the unlearn. This is it.
1: That's it. I mean, oh, that's such a beautiful example. And in, in so many times in my past, I've made an excuse and I've gone to work or whatever it is. In that situation, I've chose chosen the other way. And you know, it wasn't until the last couple of years that I started to really pay attention to those cues. And yeah, maybe the way to love them, as you said, like they don't want anything to do with you. You can love them by giving them their space. It's not by showing affection and hugging them. And and, and again, my kids, to remind everybody, 18, 15, 14, and there are a lot of years where I was not conscious of that. So it's like never too late to turn it around. My relationship with my kids is amazing right now. and and to a degree where I would have I would have never guessed possible a few years ago. But it's because, like you, I'm paying attention. And when they're asking for me in a particular way, I can show up that way. And it's it, it's about turning off that switch here, right? That default is, No, I'm single focused on this thing. It's a very masculine thing to do, task oriented. Mm -hmm. I've got to go do this. I'm sorry. No, that can wait. Bam, here. And um, I love that example. So thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you have time for one more question? Of course. I I know we're going to run over, but I want to ask you this last question. And it's legacy is something that gets talked about a lot. And it's something that I have changed my opinion on in a lot of ways. And I've, I've started to define it and narrow it down in my own head a little bit differently. And when I think about what means the most to me in my life, that really helps me frame that word legacy. When I think about it, I think about, you know, like one day, you know, kids are going to grow up, we're going to grow old. And I always say, God willing, we will get to leave our kids behind on this planet. And when I think about legacy and what I really want to leave behind is like the moments the memories the lessons the experiences the whatever it is that we leave with our kids not the money not the wealth not the whatever but the the intangible lessons in in those mem- moments and memories so if i were to pose that question to you and, and ask you you know through that through that lens what do you want your kids to remember about their dad how would you answer that mm-hmm. question
1: uh, as you're asking that question the word trust came It was the first thing that popped to my mind. And and in that, I mean, they had the ultimate trust in me that they could share anything with me and they were accepted for however they felt, whatever they did. There was no judgment and that they felt safe, felt safe with their dad. Um, And he wasn't full of shit you know, in the sense that he would say things to make them feel good. No, he was honest with them, but but really showed up in a way that they got to figure out who they, who's underneath all the stuff, all the, the stuff that's being, you know, thrust upon them through social media, their friend groups, the world in general, that with their dad, they got to explore who's really on the inside that wants to come out and, If I've done my job as a dad properly, then then each of these kids will start on that path of who they are much sooner than than I did. And, you know, I just I just want to let go of the fear of something going wrong with them, because that I think that fear response. Triggers, at least for me, panic and not making good decisions. But when I can just zoom out and say they're going to be fine, even if something, you know, bad happens, it's like it's part of it. It's part of their life. Who am I to say they should not have that experience? And so it's it's just like me being there, sending love and acceptance for all of it. Um, that, would, that would feel really good.
0: That's powerful. Powerful perspective. I love it. So Cal, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This has been an awesome conversation. Uh, where's the best place for people to find out more about you, your podcast, all that good stuff? Where do you want to send them? Uh,
1: well, first of all, thank you for this. This is awesome. And I love the question about the relationship that I got to <laughs> yeah, That was an cool. Hour ago, I, yeah, that was very cool. Uh, it's almost like we planted that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Instagram is probably the best, cal.callahan. And obviously, as you mentioned before, the Great Unlearn is is my podcast, and that's kind of the things that I'm in, involved with right now. And you know, I think that the book is probably a, a couple months out. So when that comes out, you'll know about it on my Instagram and on my podcast. So, so Thanks again, brother. I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. See, man. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.